Our Bible reading this morning comes from John chapter 11, verses 38 to 44. And I'll be reading of Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud, loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning. Well, today we have the first of four sermons that have a common theme. And the theme is, as you can probably see up there, our risen saviour. A time to think about the, uh, the lovely times, the celebratory times, but also the times of suffering. But beyond that, the times of day. Well, Lazarus and Mary's story we find, of course, in John 11. And this is a story not just about Lazarus and Mary, although it is about them. It's about Jesus, the King, the one who came to save us. And he's in complete control, isn't he? We look at our own lives and sometimes we like things to be, well, often we like things to be in control. But unfortunately in our lives, often they're not. But he's not a controlling person, Jesus and yet he is in control. Uh, if you haven't read the story in its entirety, Jesus' friend Lazarus became ill and died. And Jesus received the word of uh, Lazarus' death and went to a small village called Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. And after emotional conversations with both of the sisters, Jesus made his way to the tomb, where, as you saw, uh, Lazarus had been for four days. Uh, and at the mouth of the tomb, Jesus ordered his friend's release. He said, Lazarus, come out. And someone said to me, and I think I've heard it before, that if you hadn't specified Lazarus, then we would have had something more akin to uh, the zombie, <laughs> zombie wars. <laughs> but Lazarus did come out, and thankfully uh, he was specific. And uh, scholars suggest some, some of them that, uh, as I said, that if he had not called, uh, if not, Jesus had not called Lazarus by name, all of these dead people uh, would be wandering out for their tombs. Uh, I think about the fact that, and, and perhaps you remember it, that after the resurrection of Jesus, there were many people wandering around out of their graves. It must have been quite strange and fearful, and, but also wonderful that somehow there is power in the resurrection 
and out of the power of the resurrection, other people are affected. Even when things seemed dark, even when there was no hope, it seemed, for Lazarus and his sisters, Jesus remains in complete control. It seems like maybe things have gone astray, but Jesus knows different. And I read something recently that said in a place called, in Mexico, Rio Secreto in Cozumel, there's a place where you can test your limits as to whether you can cope with isolation and darkness and fear. There's a great big cave complex and part of the tour is that everyone will gather together in the darkness and they'll turn out the light and nobody can see even their hand. That's, a, that's not a nice situation to be in, but people do it just for a thrill. <laughs> and um, anyway, the tour guide will turn the light back on again and there comes uh, the refreshing, thankfully, uh, the light that will reveal that we are safe after all. There's a sense of darkness and lostness in the Lazarus story, isn't there, at this point? Let's think about the scene that we just watched and the powerful words that Mary spoke. While recounting the moment Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, she said, and it was that moment, that exact moment, that I realised Jesus was everything I needed, but nothing that I expected. Christian theologian and writer N.T. Wright says, this story is about the ways in which Jesus surprises people and overturns their expectations. We all see Jesus making if statements about how he will guide through the darkness all those who believe in him, if. And it says, for example, in uh, John 11, 1 to 16, it says the certain man, I'm sorry, it, it says that uh, Jesus loved Mary and uh, Martha and, her, and, uh, and also Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, uh, he stayed two days longer before going. And that seems so bizarre, doesn't it? Uh, but it also, we also know that at that time, there was a belief that the, the soul, the spirit, would stay around, uh, hanging around, hoping for new life, hoping for resuscitation before it, it left. Fascinating, isn't it, that the belief of the time was that three days was significant. And, uh, and after, well, by the fourth day, you can be sure that even according to the, uh, the um, the tales of the time, that they would be sure that Lazarus had definitely gone. He wasn't available. In the first part of the story, we learn Lazarus was so sick that his sister sent word to Jesus about his condition, hoping Jesus would heal him. But you see, Jesus was close to an area where there was great uh, turmoil, if you like, great dissension. He was causing trouble, and people were not only enjoying wonderful things uh, in his uh, miracles, but also getting very upset. And when Jesus told his disciples that finally he was going to head back to Judea, where Lazarus' village, is, village was located, 
the disciples were instantly fearful. Why on earth would he go back where the fires were burning hot against his popularity? His presence in that region could only mean bad things for him and for them. But Jesus was in control and he responded to their hesitations with scenarios that included two ifs. Jesus answered, are not 12, days in, uh, 12 hours in a day, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. John 11, 9, 10. And while this response might seem a bit confusing, confusing, biblical scholars have pared it down to more simple meanings. Jesus was telling his disciples that if they followed him, then everything would be all right. In John 11, 11, Jesus says, after saying these things, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. Things are, we, we think, a certain way, but Jesus says, but I go to waken him. And when you think about it, it's true not only of the Lazarus situation, but it's also true of our lives. Jesus comes into our lives and we are in darkness and he brings light. And by that light, by that information, by that relationship that he offers, if we accept, he brings light, he brings life. Did you ever wish that Jesus would tell you plainly what's going on? <laughs> I, I know I do. Maybe you feel that if Jesus is giving you, as if Jesus is giving you riddles all the time in answer to your prayers. But what you really want is plain answers. Jesus, what should I do about my job? Jesus, how can I deal with this relationship problem? It seems impossible. Jesus, would you just tell me what you want me to do? It feels like you're playing games with me. And of course, we have this inner questioning going on all the time. Nevertheless, we can be confident that Jesus is not playing games with us, especially when we seek him in prayer. In his time, He'll help you and I to know exactly what to do and where and how. And in the meantime, we keep trusting him. In the meantime, get good counsel. Ask people who have faith what they think. Consider the circumstances that God may be using to answer your prayers. Things not being good may in fact be a time of learning and a time of growth and God may be doing something wonderful through that. Maybe doors are opening. And the second part of the story moves us from Jesus' receiving the news of, Jesus, of uh, Lazarus' death to Jesus making his way to Bethany. Now when Jesus came, they found that Lazarus had already been in the tombs four days and Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews who had come to Martha and to Mary to console them 
regarding their brother were there. I've mentioned already that there was a belief at the time that three days and you couldn't be sure <laughs> something might happen. But on the fourth day, definitely not. And the second fact worth mentioning is that uh, Mary and Martha's situation, think of it in the culture of the time. According to Jewish practice, even the poorest family was expected to have at least two flute players and profe professional wailing women to help grieve the dead. I remember, not personally, but from stories that I've been told, that when my father's father died, uh, everyone dressed in black, there was a horse and carriage, and not only were the family grieving, but it was a custom at that time to hire people to grieve. There was a crowd of people who were, who were wailing. <laughs> Seems strange now, doesn't it? But we, we tend to make it more personal. All right, now back to Jesus making his way to Lazarus. As we move forward in the story, we notice two if statements that Lazarus' systems made. So when Martha heard the news that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary remained in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And then we have Mary in more private situation. And she says, and the teacher is coming here, she's told. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise up and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. And when she came to the Lord, she said, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it's after this that Jesus shows compassion and he goes to the tomb and he calls out Lazarus. Both women in verses 21 and 32 are expressing disappointment and frustration. As I said a little earlier, don't we have times of disappointment and frustration where life is not quite working out the way we hoped it would? Mary and Martha wanted to be in control of their lives, and that's quite natural, but they couldn't. They couldn't do it. They couldn't see the other side of if. If only if. A turning point. So when was the last time that you had a moment that reminded you of your lack of control? Have you asked yourself, if I hadn't only failed that test, or perhaps if I hadn't been driving so fast, if I'd worked a little bit harder, 
If only I had ah, just, just persisted a bit longer. What's your big if moment? In verses 23 to 27, Martha's conversation with Jesus about the resurrection is one of the most powerful messages, passages in the entire Bible. A Bible scholar named Herschel Hobbes says, Martha's response was the greatest confession of faith in Jesus as the Messiah recorded in the Gospels. It is, he said, even greater than that of Peter in Matthew 16, 16. Because he made his confession from a place of exhilaration. Whereas Martha made hers in the place of absolute despair. How hard must it have been for her, I wonder, to have believed, to have made that confession of faith in that place? Hear Martha's confession with fresh ears. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. John eleven twenty seven. The fact is that every person on this planet must come to a place where they have to decide what side of if are they going to be. Are they going to say in their desperate situation perhaps, there is no hope? Or are they going to consider Jesus who is here confessed as the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world? Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He answers, he, he says at the end of that, do you believe this? And of course the question is, do you believe this? Even as a person who attends church, do you believe this? So we go on in the story. Jesus called for the stone to be removed. And the sisters are in a state of panic, we seem, it seems to be. Because, you see, they weren't in control of their circumstances. They didn't fully understand what was happening at that moment. But it's reassuring, isn't it, to think that what Jesus does is not contingent upon our understanding. You see, he is not limited by what you or I know. And what happens is only limited by how we respond. He is perfectly able to do whatever the situation requires. And more than that, this Jesus is compassionate. We see that here. He won't leave us stranded in the cave of doubt by all our what-ifs. In the final section of the chapter, in 1145 to 53, it records how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, knowing that by doing so, his own life would be put at risk. And more than that, he was actually putting into place the system that would result definitely in his death. What sort of courage must that have required? Might he have not said, well, there you are, Lazarus. You're, 
you're up now, I'm off to a safer place. The disciples said to me, don't stay here. Don't even go there. But here he is. He is in control despite all sorts of desperate circumstances. Not only the sisters, not only Lazarus, but in actual fact his own situation. He called Lazarus out of the tomb and many believed as a result. And many believed as a result. However, when word got back to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they wondered among themselves what they should do. And we have that little word, if, coming back up again. It seems to be the turning point for so many things in this, this passage of Scripture. You see, they concluded, if we let him go on like this, if we let him go on like this, Everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. Notice the order there. It wasn't concern for God and his reputation and then the nation and then their own, my situation. No, it's the other way around. They start off, their immediate thought is, if he goes on like this, things are going to go Badly. <laughs> and if they go badly, I'm going to lose my position of privilege. I'm not going to be an important person anymore because the Romans will come in and take it all away. See the motivation there. So by doing this, they, 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 they decided among themselves that they must kill Jesus. And by doing this, they set in motion the plan that God had ordained from the very foundation of the world. They thought it was their plan, but God was moving the pieces so that we could be saved. How wonderful was that? How remarkable? How strange? What sacrifice? What knowledge? God was in control, even though it seemed otherwise. Today we must come to grips with who's in control of our lives, mustn't we? And what lies on the other side of our ifs? If, if is a turning point in our lives, where are we? Let's ask ourselves some of these questions, and you may think of others during the day. If Jesus really is in control of my life, how does it affect my place in the world? If Jesus really is in control of my life, how does it affect what I say and what I believe and future think what I believe for in the future? Can I have hope? If Jesus really is in control of my life, how do I respond when I can't see the big picture? You know, when things are bad and perhaps you're depressed and things just are not looking good at all, you and I can't see the big picture at that moment. We might later on. We might have before. But in the middle of that, it's, it's, it's hard to know. We can't see it. Everything seems closed down and dark. If Jesus is really in control of my life, how am I doing with following him? so as not to stumble in the darkness, 
which I would do if I tried to control everything in my life. So I end with this. As we prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives in preparation for the Easter period, may we confess control issues that might be hindering us, not just the ones of trying to control life in general, but allowing control to be a control in our life. It's a challenge, isn't it? And may we give these things away from ourselves and into the hands of a resurrected Jesus. May we recognize our ifs and ask Jesus to give us strength to move forward by following him, not only in a once for all time decision, but day by day by day by day. And if you are in a place of darkness at the moment, or if you are just progressing out of a place of darkness, can I just encourage you to know that in Jesus we have one who is the resurrection life. He will not let us down. We are safe within his control. His control is compassionate and is kind, and he will lead us to a good place, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.